Amen. Well, today we are finishing up our series, Five Down, Five to Go. Throughout this series, we have reviewed what our last five years together look like in ministry, and we are dreaming ahead of what these next five years may look like. As at the beginning of the new year, we have officially partnered together in ministry for five full years, and it's been a jam-packed five years together. And no matter how long we will be here, whether that's five more years, 10 more years, 20 more years, one more year, 50 more years, we are aiming to make these next five years be the best five years possible. And help us make together as a church, a body of believers, help us make these next five years be the best five years possible. We have established five goals for us within these next five years. And so, uh, Ben, if you have that slide of the five goals in the next uh, five years. The first goal is to uh, increase our average attendance of 85 on Sunday mornings. Uh, Last year, we increased our average attendance for our worship services from 59 to 63 If we maintain that same sort of momentum, that would take us to 83 uh, by the end of five years. We'd love to have an average Sunday school attendance of 50. Currently, we average about 30 to 35. We'd love to get more people plugged into this opportunity to dig deeper into God's word. We would uh, like to, it sounds like we have a car uh, buzzing out there. Um, We uh, would love to plug five people into ministry roles uh, within the church, uh, getting people to take that next step of leadership. We'd love to have two separate Acts Church groups meet. Our Acts Church group has had a great start this year. We are three for three on needing uh, to move our couch and our living room to make room for everyone. When we look at the church in the book of Acts, the, the first church, and we look at this description of the church, we see that this church, they exploded with growth. And we are trying to mirror this church and how they represented themselves and how they met together. And so we are trying to replicate this model by meeting in our homes. And And then finally, we would love to have 15 baptisms. In the past five years, we had 10 baptisms. And how awesome would it be for 15 people to publicly confess their faith in God and his son, Christ Jesus, in these next five years as well. And so as we look at these five goals for us within these next five years, we all have to understand that meeting these goals will help us to fulfill our vision of growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. And that is why we exist as a church. And whether or not we meet these goals, they largely rest on your shoulders. Last week, we introduced five ways in which you can help us meet these goals and make these next five years the best five years possible. You can participate, you can volunteer, you can give, you can invite, and you can grow. And that's what we broke down, participating and volunteering. And today, as we finish up our series, we're going to look at how you can give, you can invite, and you can grow to help us make these next five years be the best five years possible. So we talk about giving, there, there is, unfortunately, there is a general stigma when talking about giving financially within a church setting. And I, and I understand why it is there, because some people may misuse or abuse the funds that may uh, be given to church. Some people, that's all they may be uh, striving for. So I understand why the stigma is there, and it's just uncomfortable to talk about finances in a public uh, setting. But I think that it is a massive shame that the negative stigma exists in the first place. 
I didn't take up, uh, take the time uh, to count, but according to a, a number of different sources, there's about 2,350 verses in the Bible about money, wealth, and possessions. That's about twice as many verses on prayer and faith combined. To say the very least, money was and is a major theme throughout the scriptures. And that really shouldn't surprise us. That, that may surprise the most, but, but it shouldn't really surprise us that much. Uh, whether we like it or not, money plays a big role in our society. And it's been playing a big role in the world for thousands of years. And so it's imperative that we have a basic understanding on how a Christian should handle their finances. And so, of course, the authors of the scriptures would address the, this major principle, this major concept within our various societies. And so some of the various authors who wrote on this uh, concept of finances and, and giving, one such person is Paul. Paul instructs uh, the church in Corinth in this manner in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. And he says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, on a very similar note, I want to read for you all Paul's uh, instruction to Timothy as well. In 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, Paul writes, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be hard, not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And so not everyone agrees with me on uh, this concept, but I don't think we are held to a legal tithe anymore. I, I think instead that we are called, we are convicted, encouraged to give as one has decided in his heart. And then more specifically, as Paul addresses Timothy in his letter to Timothy, he says, as for the rich, and when we look at the world uh, today in the 21st century, I think we all understand that basically all of us, we are indeed rich when we compare ourselves to the rest of the world. Most of us have been richly blessed. And thus, we are charged to be rich in good works, we are charged to be generous, and we are charged to be ready to share. And so one instrumental way in which you can help the church grow closer to God and expand his kingdom is to give financially. There's no hiding that money is an extremely powerful resource in this world. The church can indeed do a lot of good with this powerful resource of money. And I'm trying, uh, I'm sure this journey will continue, uh, but I've been trying to be less ashamed of talking about money, be less ashamed of talking about giving, and, and specifically giving to the church. Because it was a main principle throughout the scriptures, and I highly believe in our vision of why we exist as a church. I think we should be using this powerful resource to help us grow closer to God, and to expand his kingdom. And so I know we have this sort of taboo of talking about finances and money and giving within a church setting. And again, I'm trying to get over uh, this taboo, th this shameful feeling. 
but we all need to get over that, and we all need to understand the power that money has in our society, and we need to be using our resources, especially our powerful resources, for the good of God, his church, and his coming kingdom. And so I would, I would encourage you all to be generous with your giving to the church to help the church grow closer to God and expand his kingdom. It's a vision, it's a purpose that I firmly believe in, and I would love to be an advocate for that purpose of expanding God's kingdom, even if that means I encourage you all to uh, be generous with your giving to the church. And so that's one, uh, another, another simple way in which you can help these next five years be the best five years uh, possible is, is to simply give. A second way uh, in which you can help make these next five years be the best five years uh, possible is to simply invite others to church. The power of an invite can be pretty incredible. And I want to show you guys this morning the power of an invite in the scriptures. And if you have your Bible, you can open up to the book of John. The book of John, and we're going to be dealing with John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, we're going to be reading verses 35 through 42. And this is uh, to kind of help us set the scene this morning. This is the midst of John the Baptist's ministry. John the Baptist, he had a very important role of preparing the way for the Messiah. John the Baptist had uh, his own followers to help prepare the way for the Messiah. As this was an extremely important mission, this was an extremely important purpose that John the Baptist had. As the Jews had been waiting for the Messiah for thousands of years. And it was his job to prepare that way, to prepare the road for the Messiah, for God's chosen one. And so the people needed to prepare their hearts to interact with the Messiah. And that's what John the Baptist uh, was here for. And so John, he had his followers that, that would help him prepare the way for the Christ, the Son of God. And, and John, uh, but before here, John just got done professing that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. And, and this is pretty early on in, in the ministry of Jesus and John publicly announcing that, hey, this man, this man Jesus of Nazareth, born of a virgin, he indeed is the Son of God. And in the, the next verse, verse 35, John writes, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And so here, uh, John the Baptist, as, as he is teaching and preaching uh, to the people around him, uh, lo and behold, he sees Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, coming. And John the Baptist acknowledged, behold, the Lamb of God. And so we have two disciples here with John the Baptist. We, we don't know who one disciple is, but we know the second disciple is Andrew. And interestingly enough, Andrew is identified as Simon Peter's brother. And now at this point in the story, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, Simon Peter, he is a nobody. Uh, he, he had little uh, to no significance in the, the grand picture. But here, Andrew, 
who was this, uh, this mysterious man, Simon Peter's brother, he went and he spent time with Jesus. I mean, how cool is that? Can you just imagine spending the day with Jesus? You, you approach Jesus asking uh, what, what is going on, and he says, come, come with me. And so Andrew and this other disciple, they spend the rest of the day with Jesus. And that would have been a, a pretty incredible experience that they had. And so how did Andrew react to this experience that he had, this interaction with the Messiah? Well, we see how he responds in verses 41 and 42. Uh, the, the writer here writes, he, he first found his own brother. This is talking about Andrew, the disciple who, who met with Jesus. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter, uh, which also means rock. And so this is all the detail that we have here, unfortunately. I wish we got more information on this interaction. But evidently, after Andrew spent this time and interacted with Messiah, he went and he found Peter. I imagine, if I imagine this situation, I imagine Andrew, he found Peter, whether Peter was fishing on his boat or Peter was uh, back in his home, and Andrew confronted him. And Andrew probably told Peter all about his interaction with Jesus and uh, how Andrew's master, John the Baptist, believes that this man is indeed the son of God. He believes that he's the lamb of God, the Messiah, and how incredible this message is. And then after talking about this uh, incredible experience that Andrew had with the Messiah, Andrew probably told Peter something along the lines of, Peter, you have got to come with me to see Jesus, this man, Jesus, the son of God, the Messiah, come with me. And lo and behold, we see that Peter followed Andrew and as Andrew brought Peter to Jesus and Jesus looked at him and we see Jesus' first interaction with Peter. And if we were to continue the story along, we would see that Peter became arguably Jesus' closest disciple and his closest friend. Peter went on to be a mainstay of the early church. He was an extremely important role in establishing the church in the first century, for he had such a zeal for God and Christ Jesus. And all of this success, this influence, this impact that Peter had on God, uh, the, the followers of God, the followers of Christ Jesus, it all started with a single invitation. It started with an invitation from his brother Andrew, who experienced the Messiah. And his brother Andrew couldn't help but tell his brother Peter, listen what I saw. I saw the Messiah. I experienced the Messiah. You've got to come with me. And Peter, he accepts that invitation and he approaches Jesus, the Messiah himself. And from that point on, Peter was a mainstay. He was a, 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 one of the closest, arguably the closest disciple of Christ Jesus. He had such a huge impact, influence on the church in the early, in the first century. Quite frankly, a, a big impact on why we are here today. And it all started with an invitation. And that's the power of an invitation. God can do so much good when all we do is plant and water that seed. 
God can do so much good if we simply invite our friends, plant that seed and water and nurture the seed and invite them, our friends and family to church and invite them to experience a relationship with God through his precious son, Jesus. God is just waiting for us. We, we talked about that, that passage from Paul and, and how Paul plants in Apollos waters, but it's God who provides the growth. And Andrew, he planted that seed and he watered that seed and God provided miraculous growth in the life of Peter. And so you all have got to be inviting your friends and family to come be a part of God's family. We've all got to be involved in this process of making disciples, and it starts with a simple invitation. And so we can see the power of an invitation in the scriptures, and I also think we can see the power of an invitation here at North Hills uh, today in the 21st century. Our church is led and given oversight from our elders and myself. Our current elders are Mark and Brian and one of my favorite parts about working here at North Hills is being able to work alongside Mark and Brian overseeing the church. They are wonderful to work alongside, and I hope you all appreciate Mark and Brian as much as I do. But my question is, how did they get here? How did Brian get here? How did Mark get here? Well, the truth of the matter is that neither Mark or Brian were born into this church. Some of us uh, sitting here this morning, we were born into this church. We were raised in this church. Neither Mark or Brian just randomly stumbled into North Hills. We have some people here this morning who just randomly stumbled into North Hills. Neither Mark or Brian uh, were church shopping uh, and just happened to settle with North Hills. Uh, let me ask you, Mark, how did you first come to North Hills? I'll put you on the spot here. Yeah, an invitation from one of his friends, Chad. Some of you guys uh, might remember uh, Chad. And Brian, I'll put you on the spot here. Brian, how did you first come to North Hills? Yeah, an invitation from the pastor. And that is, the and a pretty lady uh, as well. And that, <laughs> and that is the power of an invite. I think our church would not be where it is today if it weren't for Mark and, and Brian. Our church would not be where it is today if a boy named Chad didn't invite uh, Mark to church and uh, Brian wasn't invited uh, to church as well. So you want to help the church make these next five years be the best five years as possible? I strongly encourage and charge you all to invite your friends and your family. You have that power. That means you have that responsibility as well. It may be the only shot that your family members or your friends have. And so don't let them down and don't let our precious uh, Heavenly Father down who is waiting. He is just waiting to provide growth once we plant and once we water that seed. And so let's plant and let's water that seed and invite others into the family of God. And then finally, you can help the church by simply growing as a Christian. You have to take care of your own spiritual life before you can help out others. A team gets better when the individual members of that team improve. Likewise, a body becomes stronger when a leg or an arm increases its strength. And so similarly, the body of Christ, the church, becomes stronger when the individual members grow as well. Peter, who we just got uh, done talking about, who accepted this invitation from his brother Andrew to come see the Messiah for himself, uh, wrote about the importance of striving to grow as an individual. If you have your Bibles, you could open up to uh, the book of 2 Peter. 
near the very back of your Bibles, right after 1 Peter uh, and right before uh, 1 John. It never gets old, am I right, Mike? In 2 Peter, uh, in chapter 1, uh, verses 5 through 11, uh, here uh, Peter is talking about the promises that we have as children of God. And uh, he continues in verse 5 of uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election for you. If you practice these qualities, you will never fall. And so here Peter says, uh, we have to make every effort to supplement or, or to support our faith. We need to support our faith with virtue. We need to support our virtue with knowledge and our knowledge with self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love. And we have to make every effort to strive for each of these qualities as a Christian. And Peter says that if we aren't growing, if we aren't increasing in these qualities, then we are ineffective and we are unfruitful in our knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the good thing for us that we got going for us is that if we continue to grow closer to God, these qualities will come naturally. As children of God, we, we have the immense blessing of having God's spirit living within us. That is a blessing that is not available to all of creation. That is a blessing that is special to you, a blessing that is special to the children of God. And as we continue to grow closer to God through his precious spirit, the, the fruits of that spirit, the, the repercussions, uh, the, the way we live will naturally grow in us as well. As a living tree will naturally have growing fruit. And on the other side of things, a dying tree will naturally have fruit that withers. And you can't just remain stagnant. Your fruit is either growing or it is dying off. And the source of our nutrients with the fruit of the spirit is God. And so as we naturally see God day in and day out, we will naturally grow in these qualities that make us who we are. These qualities of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, and we go on and on. And so to help our church make these next five years the best five years possible, we all need to grow as followers of Christ and children of God. And this is not a negotiable. We have all got to be spending time in God's word on a regular basis. We've all got to be spending time with God in prayer on a regular basis. We've got to grow closer to God day in and day out. And once a week on Sunday mornings is not enough. It's not even scratching the surface of how we grow closer to God day in and day out. And as we stay connected to the source of growth, we will naturally grow. 
And when you naturally grow as a Christian and your love increases, your joy and your peace and your patience increases, it will only strengthen the church. It will only strengthen our mission, our vision of growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. And so if you are someone who loves to help out, if you're someone who believes in this vision that we have as a church and growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom, one awesome way in which you can help is to simply focus on your relationship with God and ensure that you are growing closer to God day in and day out. For if we are not making these efforts of increasing, improving these qualities, our knowledge of Jesus Christ, according to the words of Peter, they are ineffective and they are unfruitful. And so we've got to develop these habits, this consistency, this practice of growing closer to God day in and day out. And so that's it. Those are the five simple ways in which you can help the church meet these goals within these next five years to help make these next five years be the best five years possible. You simply participate. Simply show up to our worship services, Sunday school, Acts Church, Second Harvest Food Bank, and more. Simply volunteer. Use your gifts that God has blessed you with for the church. Volunteer at our community events to be a greeter, nursery, take pictures, directory, and more. Give. Let's, let's, as a church, let's erase the negative stigma on talking about money and giving in the church. It is a major theme in the scriptures, and if it is a major theme in the scriptures, I want it to be a major theme within our church as well. It is an extremely powerful resource that we can use to help us grow closer to God and expand his kingdom. So let's honor God with the wealth that he has temporarily provided for us. Invite through evidence of Peter, through evidence of Mark and Brian as well, we all see the power of a simple invite. I encourage you to step out in faith and be bold and be courageous because I know it can be scary, but invite your friends, your family, your coworkers to church with you. Invite them to seek a relationship with God through his precious son, Christ Jesus. And then finally, simply grow. You can only give what you have. If your love, joy, peace, patience, etc., is lacking, then you can't give it. If you don't have love, you can't give love. You've got to prioritize your own relationship with God. This has got to come before our jobs, got to come before our money, our friends, our spouses, and our kids. And this is how you can help make these next five years be the best five years possible. It has been an incredible journey, an awesome five years spent together in ministry here at North Hills. And there is still so much ahead of us to strive for and achieve together as a family, as a body of believers. As the harvest out there, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I want to thank you all for partnering with us in ministry over these last five years. Or if you started to come somewhere in these last five years, you all play a role at what we do here at North Hills. And so I look forward to what these next five years in ministry may look like together as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I shared with you guys a number of times, but I've never been more convinced in our five years together that we are truly headed in the right direction. We've been building some positive momentum, and I look forward to seeing what God can and will accomplish through us as we plant and as we water that seed. This 
is a ministry that we can get excited in as God provides incredible growth. So let's get to work. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the tremendous privilege and opportunity and honor it is that we have to work alongside you as we plant and water the seeds, Father, and we watch you provide that incredible growth. Father, I thank you for this church, this body of believers. I thank you for the growth that you provided here at North Hills. Father, I pray that you continue to provide growth here at North Hills. I pray that you watch over us in these next five years in ministry together. I pray that you stir our spirits. You give us a passion, a heart set on fire for you. And that day in and day out, we set our eyes and our hope on you, on your son, on the promise of your coming kingdom. It's in Jesus' precious and holy and powerful and authoritative name that we pray. And all of God's church said, amen.